I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start, and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we have arrived at the episode that first aired on June 5th, 2013. In this episode, don't take your acting to town, son. <laughs> Leave your acting at home, Corey Graves and Cassius Ono. <laughs> don't take your acting to town. Uh, <laughs> I've seen worse. Welcome to episode three of The Next Wrestling Fan. Last episode, Bob's beloved little Welsh pony, Mason Ryan, threw a bunch of dudes out of the ring, but Bo Dallas ended up becoming the number one contender to the NXT Championship. This week is a whole lot of people talking, um, but also a tag team championship match, so that's good. In just a moment, we're going to get to Bob's breakdown for this episode, followed by the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling, the wrestling term of the week, and of course... The Cheap Pop Quiz. And speaking of the Cheap Pop Quiz, here are the answers to the Cheap Pop Quiz questions from last episode. Uh, I want these points. I was so not invested at the beginning, but now I really want them. (laughs) Did we announce already what the points are going to be for? No, we haven't said anything about what the points are going to be for. Well, we'll do it. You know what? We're not going to do it right now. We're going to do it another time. The points are for something, though. And now Bob is excited. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. Okay, no, I can contain this. I can get through this. Question number one from last episode. When you become the number one contender to a title, as Bo Dallas just did, what's a traditional thing that sometimes happens, but not always, in the weeks before your championship match? Was it A, you and your opponent go out to the ring wearing actual clothes, not wrestling clothes, and sign a contract that says you agree to fight each other for the title? Was it B, you and your opponent meet backstage, stand on scales to determine your respective weights, and make mean faces at each other with your fists raised? Was it C, you and your opponent are forced to compete together as a tag team before you can fight each other, and if you don't play nice and get along, the championship match is canceled? Or was it D, your opponent is required to let you hold the championship belt, try it on, pose with it a little bit in front of the cameras just so you can see how it feels to be champion? Megan Bob, you chose A, which was you and your opponent to go out to the ring wearing actual clothes, not wrestling clothes, and sign a contract that says you agree to fight each other for the title, and that is correct! Yes! Oh my god, you have no idea how excited I was whenever I saw that happen. I was going, (laughs) I got a point! Yes! Got it. Question two was, who is Jim Ross, a.k.a. good old JR? Is he A, another low-level wrestler from the main roster who shows up on NXT to get his ass kicked, Kurt Hawkins style? Is he B, a celebrity guest who was in the news in the summer of 2013 because his personalized brand of barbecue sauce put 15 people in the hospital with food poisoning? Is it C, a legendary announcer whose voice is synonymous with WWE for many wrestling fans and who recently began working for the new Upstart AEW promotion? Or is it D, a legendary wrestler from the 1980s who briefly became a household name when he picked up and body slammed Andre the Giant? Bob, uh, you went with the barbecue sauce uh, and the food poisoning, which... I honestly don't blame you for because I kind of put that in there to trick you because Jim uh, Ross does have his own line of barbecue sauce. All right. And famously enjoys it, but he is a, <laughs> he is a legendary announcer. 
whose voice is synonymous with WWE. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, maybe a bit of a foolish choice, but uh, (laughs) I will accept it. Thank God I don't get negative points for these things. (laughs) And then the third question was, next week you will meet a wrestler named Paige. What is her character? Mm. Today, a bright, smiling girl next door brunette who skips to the ring happily. B, a massive, muscular Samoan wrestler who manhandles her opponents. C, a blonde exhibitionist who tries to take off her clothes before every match. Or D, a gothy, black-haired British badass who screams a lot. Bob uh, went with the trends that I have been describing to her about what women's wrestling was like in WWE 2013, and so chose C, the blonde exhibitionist. Uh, But those trends are also in the process of changing, and part of that is because Paige is not that. She is, in fact, D, a gothy, black-haired British badass who screams a lot. So, no points there, Bob, but points for... One of them. For feminism. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? You're right. Points for yeah. feminism. I will take it. I am happy to be wrong about this. So happy. I also really quick before we get into your breakdown, Bob, I just want to address real quick your observations about Emma versus Audrey Marie from the last episode. Yes. You talked about how they were a little bit more, I, I guess, like sensual, a little yeah. bit different style of wrestling than you saw from a lot of the other matches. And you were wondering if that was a man woman thing. I rewatched it again. I don't think it is, to be honest. I think the reason that you're seeing that, if you listen to Smash Fiction, you might have recently listened to a recent episode of Surprise Party, which is one of the shows that we do on Smash Fiction. I believe it was Surprise Party Episode 8, and it was the wrestling edition. So if you haven't listened to that, go do that. It's very funny. It is. Um, And in that episode, I describe a number of kind of archetypes for pro wrestlers. And they're a little bit reductive, and they're not always true. And you've you've got people who can do multiple or all of these things. But they were powerhouse, high flyer, technical, striker, and brawler were sort of the archetypes. I think the reason you were noticing the sensuality, I guess, Mm -hmm. of this match is because it was a more technical match. They were wrestling... more as technicians because that is very much what Emma does. Oh, interesting. And so because a technical match is more about body positioning and leverage and submissions and trying to like squeeze in and out of like holds and like reverse pins and all this kind of stuff, it comes off a little bit more fucky because it's less like I'm going to hit you with my fist now and it's more like Uh. I'm going to squeeze but I'm going to like shift my body weight so that your shoulders are down that kind of thing you know what i mean that's really interesting now i really want to see two male technician wrestlers and see what that looks like you will at some point i'm not sure when exactly but i know that's definitely gonna happen well i know it when i see it and go oh yeah here's the fanfic i very much hope so if you do i've done my job and speaking of doing our jobs bob why don't we get into your breakdown It starts with the contract signing. All right. Good old JR Jim Ross rolls up looking extraordinarily like one of my grandfather's friends. And then <laughs> Bo Dallas, who is cosplaying as a 17 year old at his first job interview, <laughs> sits down wearing the shiniest gold shirt and tie I have ever seen on television. I was kind <laughs> of shocked that it wasn't strobing. 
because it was <laughs> pretty extraordinary. And it's not unknown in wrestling. <laughs> Strobing clothing has happened. Ooh. Thank you, Chris Jericho. Uh, Biggie Langston strolls in after, and his presence is so solid. I really want to see him do some Shakespeare or something. He has got the gravitas. Dallas gets on the mic and starts breaking character almost immediately and is corpsing. So he's like, giggling as he's trying to get his lines out. <laughs> and Langston gives him this look like, come on, kid, you could do this. So Dallas scrapes together some dignity by the end of it. And Langston gets on the mic and calls Dallas a geek. Harsh. Yeah, oh. he lives in his mom's basement. Oh, the words, the words that came out of his mouth. And then Dallas gives a teenage glare, signs the contract, <laughs> shoves it at Langston's chest, who takes it and watches Dallas go like, oh, we will be talking about this pattern of behavior when your mom gets home, son. I wanted to have a quick note about the scripting because I thought that was interesting. They obviously worked out together ahead of time because Dallas's motif was three seconds, three seconds to change my life. And then Langston's ending was about handling Dallas and saying, I'll do it in five. I thought that yep. was very tidy writing. Bo, I will crush your dreams and I'll do it in five. Yeah, they definitely worked this out beforehand and it works very well, I thought. It's interesting because there's a lot of weird context to this conversation they have that doesn't really matter mm. but like i can see it being confusing biggie langston by this time has been on the main roster already for about six months so he's been doing raw and smackdown and like as Bo mentioned had a match at wrestlemania which is like the big main roster event every year um while also being the nxt champion Ooh. on raw and smackdown he's a henchman for um a man whose name we made fun of last time dolph ziggler Ugh. and he's just like kind of a standard heel there's none of the five stuff or anything like that hmm. so what you're seeing is a disconnect here between the character a wrestler plays in NXT and the character they play on the main roster, which at the time was very standard. These are developmental wrestlers. They're also seen as playing developmental characters. So when you go to the main roster, you get a new one. Oh, which makes it weird because like when you go to the main roster, it's assumed that the main roster fans haven't been watching your stuff from developmental. Right. And like as this show becomes more and more of an actual televised show that people watch, this starts to change. It's definitely weird that there are characters in NXT that are referencing main roster characters while one guy is playing two different characters simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, also, uh, Bo Dallas brings up the big show who was uh, on NXT back in December for some reason back when he was world champion. Big Show's a, a really big dude. That's his thing. Okay. I understand the um, big show now. <laughs> also, a rare example here of a contract signing that does not end in physical violence. Most of them do. I was kind of surprised. I kept waiting for that to happen, and then it didn't. And I thought, oh, maybe they're all this polite. So I'm glad no. to have a little more context that perhaps this is atypical. Yeah, usually somebody would be going through that fucking table. <laughs> oh, oh, that's interesting. All right. I'll be yeah. on the lookout for that next time. Backstage with Renee Young, it is Corey Graves. He interrupts Young's questions to start his monologue. And boy, did that give me some clues about his character. Slightly self-involved. And then whenever Young mentions Ono, Graves just stares up at the ceiling with this Lord, give me strength look. Will we get the payoff for that look? Stay tuned. Core Graves is basically just a heavily tattooed collection of catchphrases in an army jacket. So. Oh, I, I have got theories about him. All right. Then we get our first match. Finally, it is Paige, beautiful industrial goth pixie here to fight Tamina Snuka. And Snuka's 
broad, muscular shoulders made me want to cry and beg her to let me be her squire in battle. I had so many Brienne of Tarth feelings about her, except that she's gorgeous. But I was like, I will take such good care of your weapons, milady. Please let me follow you around. <laughs> this fight style was way different compared to what I saw with Emma and Audrey Marie. They start with some hair grabbing and headbutts, and then Snuka grabs Paige's hair and throws her sideways in this move that looked very barroom brawl. And mm. I was going, finally, this is the kind of low down, dirty women fighting that I've been wanting. Yeah, they do a whole thing with Tamina where she's basically dominating for a majority of the match, but Paige does manage to defeat her. Nah, I did um, not approve. Yeah, there's a few rounds of Paige getting in hold and struggling out. And then Paige gets super pissed and she does do some angry screeching and flailing. At which point Snuka kicked her in the face and I could hear the jaw click. I'm assuming that was the sound that I heard. That was a hell of a super kick for one thing, which is what it's usually called when you get your leg up that high and kick somebody in the face. Yeah, I was very impressed by the height on that kick. Yeah, it was. It looked like it really hurt. Yeah. Um, the sound that you heard may have been from the jaw. More likely, it was because one of the wrestlers clandestinely slapped their leg at the moment of impact. Okay, I figured that that has to normally be the case but it sounded so like a click instead of a slap that mm -hmm. I was blown away. And that's what made me go, oh my God, was that real? I would hope not, because I don't know how you'd still have your jaw attached after that. Snuka then gets up on the ropes and flies down onto Paige, but Paige gets her knees up and then mm -hmm. does a roll up on Snuka to win the match. And as I reacted, I did not approve. I wanted <laughs> my Lady Knight to win. But we are treated to a final shot of Snuka with blood on her chin, looking fierce and murdery. <sighs> Miles, I think I'm in love. Oh, man. Bob, I, I have some, some really terrible news for you. Oh, no. We're actually not ringing the bell on anybody for this episode. But for Tamina, we're going to have to kind of ring the bell softly. <laughs> oh, no. Um, she will have another NXT match, but it's in like a year. Okay. And aside from that, she never really shows up again. Ugh. Um, Ugh. All right. But I'll tell you a little bit about her. She's the daughter of a famous wrestler named Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Okay. Um, she's still competing in WWE today. She's never won a championship or accolade of any kind. Aw. And, um... There's a, a fairly broad consensus that she's one of the worst wrestlers on television. <laughs> what? But she was so <laughs> badass in that match. This match was she actually did a really good job. And like that kick was really something to see. But yeah, she's she's oh. not great. I'm oh, sorry. man, I keep falling in love with all the wrong people. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I don't know. Is this a show it's... or an attack on me, Miles? I have questions. <laughs> I just this keeps happening. But you know what? We're going to try and, and give you some love for some of the people who are going to be around a little bit longer, Bob, because okay. I do want to do something this episode that we haven't done before, which is I'm going to give you a little trading card here. Okay. And this is going to be the Paige trading card, because you're going to need to know some stuff about Paige. And I think you might come around to her at some point. Okay. Paige is part of a wrestling family. Aw. Both her parents and both her brothers are wrestlers. Whoa. 
She was trained by her family, and she started off in World Association of Wrestling, which is her dad's promotion. Uh, this is all happening in uh, Norwich, England, I believe. Okay. She starts off in her dad's promotion in 2006 at the age of 14. Oh, damn. According to her and others, she actually wrestled her first match at the age of 13. No, oh, Because wow. her dad asked her to fill in for somebody who hadn't shown up. Her dad's wrestler name was Ricky Knight, and her mom's wrestler name is Soraya Knight, which is only a little weird considering Soraya is Paige's actual first name. Oh, wow. Um, but it's okay because she got to be Brittany Knight. <laughs> she and her mom uh, came to the States in 2011 and wrestled briefly in the all-female promotion Shimmer Women Athletes, okay. which is amazing and I love it. Shimmer runs out of Chicago and a bunch of the women we're going to be talking about on NXT uh, wrestled there at some point, including Emma and Sarah Amato, who's the NXT Women's Trainer. Okay. And Sarah Amato uh, used to be called Sarah Del Rey, and she was like the queen of Shimmer when it first started. Paige started in WWE's developmental program in 2012. She was actually there before Emma or Sarah Amato. She's been in NXT since basically the beginning. She first appeared on episode three, and she's really the first independent women's wrestler to show up in NXT. And in a lot of ways, she's the blueprint for the future of the NXT women's division. Paige's career is actually fucking wild. <laughs> And there's so much more I could say about her, but I'm not going to for quite a while because okay. I don't want to spoil anything. She's had a nutty life. Um, okay. And actually, there's a movie they just made about her. What? It's called Fighting With My Family. It was released in theaters. Her parents are played by Lena Headey and Nick Frost. Oh, shit. It's real good. It's a good movie. It's not the most accurate thing in the world when it comes to the actual wrestling things that were going on at the time. They take a lot of liberties with like the actual wrestling stuff, but it's mostly about her story with her family. It's based on a documentary that got made about her and her family. So, Oh, wow. I do want to see that film now because I really like Lena Headey a lot. You can go for it because it's not really a spoiler. <laughs> All right. We get another backstage moment mm, and it yeah. is young talking with Cassius. Oh, no. I have never seen a man stare harder into the middle <laughs> distance like he was trying to get the middle <laughs> distance to blink first. I have to say now Graves's plea to the gods really does make sense. I think that his look was very justified and I would call that a payoff. I'm not going to talk about what he says because it's ridiculous and overblown and silly and cute. Can I say the one thing? Please say the one thing. My plan of attack is to <laughs> attack. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, continue. I just needed to say that. Uh, so the interview is capped off whenever Ono unironically brings up his hand to his face and clenches it into a fist of determination. And he walks off and Renee Young looks after him with this confused and slightly into it expression on her face. She sure. almost leans towards him like she wants to follow him. But I do not have a real reading on what that vibe is. If it's a vibe of, I'm so baffled by you that I need to get more time to understand what just happened. Or you do kind of have this surfer beach boy idiocy going to, not that surfer beach boys are idiots, but this particular one kind of is. And I just need more of it in my life. So I don't know, but it was interesting. Very much so. Uh, we get match two. 
Colin Cassidy is in the ring, and then my beautiful pony boy, Mason yep. Ryan, enters. They are both enormous. Cassidy's like seven feet tall, so it felt a lot like watching two Ents have a fight. Um, <laughs> if Ents were particularly warlike, which, I mean, okay, so there was that one moment in the Two Towers where they True. were really warlike, but most of the time, the peace-loving people, these are not peaceful Ents. Ryan comes into this match like a beast and is kneeing and punching Cassidy, Uh, gets a seven-foot man onto his shoulders and then drops him onto the mat, pins him, and it's over. There's not a lot to say about this match. It was over very quickly, but it was something to see. Jobber squash. I figured it must be, but I wasn't sure because I thought, but he's so big. Maybe there's something to this. I'm not saying you're not going to see him again. I'm just saying this particular (laughs) match, jobber squash. Okay, fair enough. Then backstage again, but this is really cute because it's Sami Zayn and he is the first one of these fuck boys to ask Renee Young how she is. And I thought, (laughs) you know what? What a good boy you are. Cesaro enters doing a slow clap, which was really nice. He accuses Zayn of a cheap win. And I remember you talking about this because he wins with a roll up, right? And that's considered Mm -hmm. kind of a fluke win, right? More fluky than like hitting somebody with a really damaging move and then just pinning them. Yes. Okay. So Cesaro challenges Zane to a rematch. Zane agrees. And then he makes a dig about Cesaro's man purse. Cesaro takes it as an insult and slaps <sighs> Zane. They tussle on the floor. And just a PSA to all people out there. Wear a damn bag. They're great. Your life will be better and easier. <laughs> I applaud Cesaro for being sensible. Yeah, Zane, that's like one of the instances where you can tell that like somebody fed him that line. Yeah. And like, he's just like, it doesn't fit. It's no, stupid. No, it doesn't. It's, uh, it felt weird, but I, he sold the line well enough. I was not disappointed with that. Sure. Yeah. I also want to say after this, I checked to see if there was Zane Cesaro fanfic and listeners, I could report that there is. <laughs> There's not a lot, but there is a little bit. This does not surprise me. We get match three, which is very odd. It is Alex Riley versus a vampire hunter, question mark. (laughs) Um, It's Connor O'Brien. And to paint you a picture, he's got a sleeveless coat and a collar on it that is as big as his own head. And he has a fairly large head. So O'Brien gets Riley down. He flips him over and around on the mat a bunch of times like he's making the world's most undercooked pancake. O'Brien throws Riley to the corner and runs at him, but with what I can only assume are abs of steel, Riley gets himself up in a Superman position and lands right on top of O'Brien's shoulders. That was a bad idea. O'Brien chucks him onto the rope, dazing him, and then the match just ends with Riley forced into a Gordian knot of a submission hold. (laughs) Uh, Riley gives O'Brien some thigh pats to say, I'm good, dude, I'm good. But it takes the ref to pull O'Brien off. And then it's really good. The lights go dark and moody. The camera focuses on O'Brien who yowls and then holds up a hand in rage so we can see his dramatically painted black fingernails. Mm -hmm. He leaves the ring and meets up with a guy who looked to me like a steampunk vampire. He nods at him and then they leave together. Miles, are they an item? What is this deal? Is he enthralled? Oh boy. Uh, Okay, so... 
<laughs> I didn't realize I was opening a can of worms. Oh my gosh. So way back in the day before NXT, there was a group called The Ascension made up a bunch of people from Florida Championship Wrestling, which was the developmental territory before NXT became the developmental territory. When they switched over to regular NXT, The Ascension was this dude, Connor O'Brien, and another guy named, um, uh, shit. His fucking name is Bram. I forget what they were calling him in Bram NXT. Bram Stoker? No, it's just oh, Bram. Okay. I, oh, it's like Kenneth Cameron or something. Oh, okay. Anyway, so there were a team called the Ascension, but then Kenneth Cameron or Bram or whatever his name is got like in legal trouble and got fired. Oh, my. So now Connor O'Brien on his own is the Ascension. He, they call him the Ascension <laughs> Connor O'Brien, but that's stupid. So this other dude, Rick Victor, who like he was like not a vampire before, but now he is. Um, <laughs> They wanted to make Ascension a team again, so now Rick Victor is O'Brien's new partner. Oh, and wow. this is his first appearance, Rick Victor's, <gasps> as this new character, which is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> it was a very powerful moment that spoke deeply of, there is a, a whole bunch of things going on here, and I got a real palpable sense of a weird relationship between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Maybe not sexual, but I mean powerful. And a quick word about Alex Riley also. Um, he was a contestant on the second season of NXT back when it was a fake reality TV game show. And more importantly, much more importantly, I would say, it's appropriate that you mentioned his steel abs. Oh, yes. Because Alex Riley played the role of Steel Horse, the wrestler who Debbie bangs the shit out of in episode five of the first season of Glow. Oh. When they go to the wrestling show and she first realizes it's a soap opera and oh. she meets that wrestler and fucks him, that's Alex Riley. <laughs> wow. I gotta rewatch Glow now. Now we get... Is a tag team championship match? Tag team championship match. Okay. It is Corey Graves and Cassius Ono versus Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. A.K.A. the artsy kids in high school versus Sandor Clegane and Tormund Giant Spain. <laughs> I did not realize the extent to which they mapped pretty clearly onto Sandor Clegane and Tormund Giant Spain, but they really do. That's kind of amazing. I mean, they're both, I would say, more functional. Well, no, Tormund Giant Spain's got his shit together. More yeah. functional than Sandor Clegane by a long shot. But I was definitely like, oh, shit, it's the Game of Thrones dudes. So Ono is wearing his black underoos instead of the usual bright yellow. His butt means business. <laughs> and then from the back of woods comes the Bear Wyatt family. Rowan has a rocking chair with him. Pappy Bray sits down on the entrance ramp and just rocks dramatically as the fight gets underway. Rowan and Ono are first in the ring. Ono snaps him in the throat and then tags Graves, who is almost immediately kicked in the stomach. Rowan then hands Graves off to Harper, who slingshots Graves around. And Graves, in this move that immediately the name I could call it was Hold Me Daddy, <laughs> throws himself directly into Harper's arms. And I mean, same, but still, it seemed like a really <laughs> weird move to pull. Graves then does some leaping and frisking around Harper that really I thought would not be out of place in Cirque du Soleil. I was quite impressed. <laughs> and then he manages to pull Harper into a hold. I know there's a lot of tropes about like, oh, a tiny fast guy versus like big strong man. Mm -hmm. But I'm seriously starting to think now, this is my theory, Corey Graves, not human. Corey Graves actually is sulky Faye Changeling who is slumming oh. it as a human for a while. 
I can see that. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's from this world. I don't know what world he's from, but I like... I mean, he doesn't talk like he's from this world, that's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I want to emphasize that this is not like ethereal fae. This is like kind of trash fae. <laughs> that's Corey Graves. Graves tags in Ono to twist Harper's arm, and uh, this Sandor Clegane-looking man is not a fan of this. And he tags in his buddy from north of the wall, who brings an elbow down on Ono's noggin. Uh, Ronan and Harper just pass Ono back and forth like a soggy joint <laughs> until Ono can finally tag Graves in. Harper gives Sulky Fayboy a kick in the face and he's just laid out on the apron. There's a bit of recovery as Graves manages to lift Harper up and do some, I thought, very wildly impressive slams before passing him off to Ono, who almost has Harper pinned. And then Pappy Wyatt sits up in his chair. Shit is getting real. This is the point at which it devolved, and I had to watch it multiple times to understand what was happening. Okay. So Rowan bounds into the ring, slamming Ono's head. Graves then leaps in, coming after Rowan, flips him over the top rope, which blew my mind. While the ref is distracted, Wyatt comes up and he clocks Ono. And then Graves sees it. And this was so beautiful. Graves just runs across the ring and hurls himself over the top at Wyatt. Like just sort of cannonballs him. And then back in the ring at the moment about whenever Wyatt is getting cannonballed, Harper pins Ono and the match is over. Yeah, Harper hits that big clothesline. It ends with um, that great music playing and the bears heading back to the woods as Rowan picks the rocking chair back up and drags it off stage. (laughs) I saw that too. I really like that. I was sort of like, why is Rowan less loved? Is that why he has to carry the rocking chair? Or is it just because he agreed to and Harper didn't offer to? Like, what was the deal? Next time I talk to them, I'll ask them about that. Yeah, please. I have a lot of questions about this. All right, Bob. Well, thank you for that breakdown. How did you feel about this episode? I think the thing that I got the most out of it was I'm starting to see the workplace drama of it. And I think the thing that wrestling does well, better than a lot of ensemble cast shows do, is figure out that every character should have relationships with every other character to the greatest extent possible. And that not only should characterization affect how they behave with one another, but each relationship should have an effect on other relationships. So for example, Graves and Ono have an existing dislike for one another. So they have a set relationship, but their own relationships with the Wyatt family are more pressing. So Mm -hmm. they put aside that and I can see how the stakes of winning allows for playing with those relationships. Frankly, I think a lot more successfully than a lot of scripted television shows do. And I think one of the reasons why it does that, and this is just my theory, is that you have the actors involved in making those decisions. It's not just thrust upon them by the writing staff. I think that's true. And that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to watch NXT instead of like Raw and SmackDown and main roster, because so much of their shit is dictated by corporate and like the needs of a network or, you know, there's so much like weird stuff going on creatively at that level when you're down here in kind of developmental you've got a team of coaches really working with these guys trying to develop their characters developing their relationships and it just makes for better storytelling i agree i think it ends up with a much tighter knit collection of stories and i think because everybody has to advocate for their own story and their own character 
it makes it much harder for them to put a character on the back burner until they become plot relevant in the same way that I think you can very easily get away with in a traditional scripted television show. All right, Bob. Well, I mean, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed this episode. It was a little bit of a mess with lots of uh, people talking and stuff, but (laughs) I'm glad you liked it. We're not done talking yet. Let's get to the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. All right. So, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? My elf eyes saw the New York skyline on Cassidy's butt. Butt watch! Yes, I am here for these landscape butts. I was hoping I would see another one, and I thought, nah, I'm never going to see another landscape butt. I've seen the last. But no, I was (laughs) gifted with this other butt, and it kind of does look like the Empire State Building is right on his crack, which I know that was planned. Like, there was no way in the design process that they didn't realize that, and I really appreciated it. It was a hell of a choice. It was. (laughs) Bold. What about you, Miles? What did your elf eyes see? I'm curious, Bob, because you didn't bring it up in your breakdown. Did you see the Leo Kruger video package? Yes, I did. Because I I really, I really enjoyed the way that was shot. Yeah, I enjoyed a lot of things about it. I was really into it, but I was running out of time and room. So I was like, well, hopefully it'll come up again. I'll get more of a chance to talk about this nutcase because boy, something. It's weird because it feels like it's introducing him as a character which is why I'm glad it played. But he had actually been doing this character for a while in NXT. So I think he had just been away injured or just off TV for a while for whatever reason. But yeah, this is a uh, I mentioned in an earlier episode during the cheap pop quiz, a South African game hunter. <gasps> Here we go. <laughs> yes, I knew I liked him for a reason. Oh, so grateful. Yes. All it's right. real fucking creepy. It's a yeah, really creepy package. I love the way it's shot. I have to say, I watch it with the subtitles on. And at the end of it, I think he says ta-da, but the subtitle says da-da. What does that mean? I thought he said ta-ta. Well, who knows? We have many competing theories about what this guy says. Tweet at us with your theories about what it is that Leo Kruger is saying at the end of that, because Lord knows we don't know. Yeah. And uh, also, for whatever reason, they played again on the next episode. So just be advised that's going to happen again. All right. All right, Bob. What is your Vulcan ears here? My Vulcan ears heard a lot of things. But during the Mason Ryan match, one of the announcers was like, I heard he eats five pounds of turkey a day. I apropos of very, very little, decided to talk about turkey for a minute. And I was just really pleased by the idea that one of them was like, you know what I'm going to talk about? The fact that this man needs five pounds of turkey, which no human being could eat in a day. I say that somebody's right. going to tell me that, yes, you can. But I don't think that's true. But I admire their willingness to just lean into something ridiculous. <laughs> and Miles... What did your Vulcaneers hear? You know what? This is why we're doing this podcast together, Bob, because we're totally on the same page. (laughs) My Vulcaneers heard a line that I think might have been like right before the line you're talking about. Yay! (laughs) Because right before they start talking about the turkey, the play-by-play guy says he's talking about Colin Cassidy. Colin Cassidy says he got his bachelor's at NYU, but his master's on the streets. Yes! (laughs) 
Usually, like, you'll hear people saying, I got my degree on the streets. Like, I went to the school of hard knocks, whatever. I've never (laughs) heard anyone say, no, I'm educated, but for grad school, I went to the streets. (laughs) Did you hear the line that came after that one? The other guy just said, ah, yes, continuing education. (laughs) I'm like, oh, good for him, you know, because you don't want to let your skills get rusty, I guess. You want to prove that you're getting professional development in your field. So, yeah, you know, go to the streets, sign up for some courses. Oh, Uh, my God. There um, were some pretty good moments. Yeah, there were. This commentary is pretty good. It's from some, like, making fun of it. <laughs> oh, so good. Sorry, we get Regal back next week. Oh, thank God, because I miss Regal so much. I know. All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel? <sighs> I wanted to say something that we haven't talked about, but I can't. It's just too true. I have feelings about Cesaro and Zayn. I had them for the first moment that mm-hmm. they were on screen together. They're such perfect enemies and everything in me says the tension is so good you could cut it with a knife. That's exactly what you want in an enemies to smooching fanfic. You need that. And I mean, I'm not going to say that, oh, they belong together in real life. I'm not a crazy person. But as far as providing me the amount of tension required to be able to make fic if I was going to write fic about them, it is perfect. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You just see it in their eyes. They hate each other, and that hate could so easily turn on a dime or, you know, any form of currency that is circular. I was trying to think, whatever. (laughs) What do the Swiss use for currency? Any form of currency that is circular. (laughs) Let's focus on the fact that I'm not wrong. Let's focus on that instead of my poor grasp of international (laughs) currency. I'm going to quickly move away from this, Miles. I kind of want that to be the name of the episode. Oh, man. Miles, what did your human heart feel? You know, I totally get what you're saying about Cesaro and Zane, Bob, but for my money, this thing with Conor O'Brien and Rick Victor, I did not know how they became a team. He does his own thing. Conor does. He wins his match. And as he's like backing back up the ramp, Victor's just like crouching there next to him and... You can see the moment where Connor realizes that somebody's like behind him and slightly to the side and Victor like stands up and they both like just look straight ahead for a minute and then they look at each other. Yeah. And then Connor like nods at him and they look back straight and they both do this roar. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fucking vampire meat cute. I definitely was struggling with going, are they not saying they're together? Because everything about the way that they're behaving suggests a deeply intimate and complicated relationship. And I was going, do they know that's what they're doing? Or is this intentional? Because I'm going, if they're not some sort of like partnership, then O'Brien is enthralled and we got to get some garlic and a cross in here immediately. (laughs) It touched my heart seeing them just meet that way. I really appreciated the way that... What's his name? Victor? Yeah, Rick Victor. Rick Victor. What a good... That's like a 40s detective name. There you go. Rick Victor, see? (laughs) The way he stood up, like he unfurled. Yeah. He practiced that in the mirror a billion times to be able to do it so smoothly. And it really worked with his steampunky outfit. I want to be clear... He had goggles on. Not on his head. They were around his neck, but he had goggles. Yeah, around his neck. Yeah, I saw that too. I know, and I was like, oh, it really was 2013. (laughs) All right, well, that was the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the wrestling term of the week. But first, we need to hear Bob's fanfic explaining last episode's wrestling term of the week, which was championship. So, Bob, take it away. The dressing room was scattered with clothes. A hastily signed contract for a pay raise forgotten on the floor, a phone buzzing continuously with congratulatory texts, was making its way steadily off the counter to clatter to the floor. The championship belt was slung over a chair, glinting in the light. You know, he said, I might have the belt, but the real championship is getting to be with you. His companion looked from where he was sprawled on the couch. You know, I was going to let you hang on to that belt for a while, but for saying something that cheesy, I am challenging you to a championship match immediately. (laughs) Go ahead, he grinned, reaching for his lover's hand and threading their fingers together. I'll still have the only prize that matters. Oh. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Uh, They love each other so much. I don't know who they are. I did not include names because I didn't have any names readily to hand. So, I mean, whoever you want that to be. I love it. Thank you for that, Bob. Well, this week's wrestling term of the week is feud. I've heard that one before in other contexts. So a feud is the wrestling term for an extended storyline between opposing characters. It usually involves like wrestlers talking shit to each other on the mic and other types of confrontation, including a series of matches. The most important part of the feud, obviously, is that it tells a story. And if it's done right, the audience comes out the other side knowing more and caring more about everyone involved. So, for example, Sami Zayn and Cesaro are currently in a feud, right? It started with that first match. Then we had this week's segment where Cesaro interrupted Zane's interview and Zane insulted his man purse because we can't have nice things in wrestling or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they brawled and they had to be dragged away from each other. And spoiler, next episode, they're going to have another match. Yeah. Will that be the end of the feud? I hope not. No way to tell. There's not really a standard for feud length. Oh. But you can see how things have escalated and how the story's being told. Because, like, while at first Sammy was this upstart who got a surprise win, now he's kind of feeling himself because he was bragging a little bit about his win, and he's seeing himself a little bit more as Cesaro's equal. And Cesaro mm-hmm. naturally cannot have that. So this is, like, the kind of linear storytelling that gets people invested in wrestling. Yeah, I felt myself getting pulled in pretty mm-hmm. powerfully by it and was going, oh, man, I better come back next week. In addition to Zayn and Cesaro, our other major feud in NXT right now is Corey Graves and Cassius Ono versus the Wyatt family. Again, we've got linear storytelling here. You had the family interfere in the Graves-Wyatt match and Ono come out to even the odds. Then last time you had Bray eliminate Graves and Ono from the Battle Royal. And now we have this tag team match that we watched for this episode. In contrast, something like Paige versus Tamina isn't a feud. It's just one match in a tournament. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. Individual matches usually have their own stories from bell to bell, but those stories are not part of a feud unless they involve like a multiple type deal. Okay. Last note about this feud can be used almost interchangeably with another term called a program. Instead of saying that Zayn and Cesaro are feuding, you could say that Zayn is working a program with Cesaro. The only real difference is that program sometimes refers to the series of matches specifically, whereas a feud always refers to the entire storyline, like oh, including man. the matches, but also everything else. But <sighs> uh, uh, that's they're really they're used interchangeably most of the time. So don't get hung up on that distinction because most people don't know or care about it. Okay, no, I was just having a real square rectangle moment. 
All right, Bob, that is your wrestling term of the week. And uh, come back next week to hear Bob's fanfic about uh, feuds. Now it is time. Yes. For the cheap pop quiz. My favorite segment on yours now. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> I'm drunk on that one point. Should we announce it now? Should we say what we're going for here? Yeah, let's go ahead and say it. Guys, if Bob gets to 10 points. Yes. And she's got one already. We are going to do a bonus episode where I read a romance novel or fanfic of her choosing. Yes. And we talk about that. And I will be the one that knows many things. And Miles will be the one going, what is this? That's right. If you want to turn those tables, then uh, root for Bob to get these questions right. Here we go. The questions for this episode's Sheep Pop Quiz, Bob. Number one. Next week, you're going to hear a reference to The Shield. A trio of wrestlers on the main roster, including the very first NXT champion, the guy that Big E beat for the title, who at the time, in 2013, were running wild on the main roster and beating the piss out of literally everyone. Okay. What was their gimmick? Is it A, militant vigilantes who dress like a SWAT team? B, evil supernatural creatures of unspecified variety with inconsistent dark powers? (laughs) C, rich, entitled bros who think having money makes them better than everyone else. Or D, male cheerleaders. Oh, oh God. Uh, All right, fine. A SWAT team. I wanted to be the cheerleaders, but I feel like I have to try and be reasonable. (laughs) Which in wrestling, I don't know if that's a sensible strategy, but it's what I'm going with right now. All right. Your answer is A, militant vigilantes who dress like a SWAT team. (sighs) Question I can already two. feel that whatever I put is going to be wrong. No, I got to be high on that one point. No, I can do this. You can do this. Question two. What's the term for the person who accompanies wrestlers to the ring during their matches? A la Sylvester Lafort from last episode and also next episode. Is it A, if it's a man, he's called a manager. If it's a woman, she's called a valet. B, if it's a man, he's called a valet. If it's a woman, she's called a manager. C, if it's someone who actually speaks on the wrestler's behalf, they're a manager. If it's someone who just hangs out as muscle and or eye candy, they're a valet. D. If it's someone who actually speaks on the wrestler's behalf, they're a valet. If it's someone who just hangs out as muscle and or eye candy, they're a manager. I think it's C. I think if you talk for them, manager. If you don't, valet. Okay, C is your answer on number two. And finally, Bob, question three. Next week, another female wrestler will be interviewed backstage for the first time by Renee Young. Is she A, somehow even more weird and awkward than Emma? Or B, fuck you, that's impossible. Nobody is weirder or more awkward than Emma. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. The game theory person in me has to say, it's got to be A. It has to be A. All right, so that has been your cheap pop quiz. Come back next week. We'll see how Bob did on this one, guys. What if I disagree with you and I think this person is more awkward than Emma? Can I fight you somehow? You, if, if, you, if you disagree with the answer to the question, you are welcome to dispute it. I will consider that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Only in this instance would I consider disputing it because it sound, there's some subjectivity. But I can also understand that there is probably a level of weirdness at which any sane person would go, no, that's that's pretty weird, actually. There's no subjectivity in this case. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I measured it using whatever the international standard unit of measurement for weirdness is. The Auditron. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got, Bob. Thank you so much for watching this episode of NXT with me. And as always, for coming on this amazing journey. Thank you for taking me on this amazing journey. I feel like a dog getting to hang out the window of the car and just enjoy the ride. Oh, that's a great analogy. Wanted to uh, quickly give a shout out to some people who are talking about us on the internet. We really appreciate it. Bob, I think you had some personal things you wanted to give out. Yeah, I want to say thank you to Fantasy Crest for being Twitter friends with us. And then also thank you to Paul Finch for name dropping us in the same tweet as How To Wrestling, which is a massive honor. So thank you for that. Yeah, we appreciate your making how-to wrestling aware of our existence. So yeah. that's, uh, that's really cool. <laughs> I, it does feel like, you know, a very small thing in the ocean being noticed by like, I don't know, a really majestic whale. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the right comparison. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think those are the terms that make the most sense is marine mammals. <laughs> uh, yeah, and of course, these people are getting at us uh, at NXT Wrestling Fan on Twitter. And we have our Facebook page, the NXT Wrestling Fan Podcast. So you can check that out. And of course, you can email us at NXT Wrestling Fan at gmail.com. Also, if you are enjoying the show, do us a big favor and uh, subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you want to leave us a review, that would be awesome. On that note, got to give a big shout out to Adam Mayo. Yeah. Who left us a five star review entitled Here's Where to Start with Wrestling. Adam says, having been befuddled by years worth of wrestling references from other podcasts, I'm glad to finally have a point of entry into this weird world of spandex, singlets and sandbagging. Megan, Bob and Miles have a breezy chemistry as podcast hosts, <laughs> which has so far contributed well to their intended wrestling master slash wrestling apprentice dynamic. <laughs> all in all, this is already shaping up to be a good podcast as of two episodes in. Thank you so much, Adam, for that review. We Thank appreciate you. you listening. And uh, we're very glad that this show is having the effect on you that we hope it'll have on non-wrestling fans. Yeah, I hope it becomes less overwhelming because I, too, was in those very shoes and am somewhat still in those shoes. But these shoes are fitting better. Be sure to check out NXTWrestlingFan.com for uh, all of our episodes, as well as the visual companions put together by me for each one. Please um, check them out. They're so cool. I'm not just saying that because Miles is listening to me right now. I'm saying that because <laughs> I am excited every time an episode comes out because I get to go see the cool thing that Miles has written and the cool visual companion that he has made to go with the episode. And it's awesome. Oh, well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. I have a lot of fun doing it. So, yeah, once again, NXTWrestlingFan.com. Thanks so much for listening again, and we will see you back here in two weeks. Bye. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. 
And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. For episode four, Bailey's Bedroom Eyes.